are. It's great to be with you here today. Um, I, um, my dad, I got a phone call this morning from Nick at like 8 o'clock when I was still slightly bleary-eyed. And, um, uh, and I was like, oh, do you want to preach today? And I was like, well, this has never happened to me before, but uh, I was like, I think I feel peaceful about this. So I'm here today to talk to you about um, intimacy with God um, and cultivating intimacy with him as a friend, as um, a son or daughter, and also as a lover. Um, so a lot of today is me kind of just sharing stories with you. Um, there's not a lot of verses in it or Greek original words or anything like that. Um, <laughs> but it's basically just my story of what God has done with me and my testimony because like every week we hear amazing testimonies here on a Sunday morning and um, healings and salvations are brilliant testimonies, but also all of our lives are brilliant testimonies. My, my life is a testimony of God's goodness. Your life is a testimony of his goodness. And so when we share that, there's actually really powerful things in it. Um, so um, for those of you who don't know me, I'll just quickly say something very quick. I moved back to Glasgow here a couple of months ago with my husband. Pretend... Potentially the tallest in the room. I don't know if there's contending there with Nick Treadgold, maybe. <laughs> just, just, just a bit taller. Um, I'm originally from Glasgow. We moved here with my family, my mum and dad, when I was 14. Um, and then I went away and did uni and then moved down south and did life. But now we came back a couple of months ago because we just love this city. We love being here. We just love Scotland. And I lived down south for quite a while and um, just, just, it's not the same. Um, so we came back. Um, so it's fun. But what I'm going to share today is um, it's going to be three main points, really, of what I've learned about cultivating intimacy with God and kind of the journey that I've been on. And, and, and also, it's tied up with hearing God's voice as well. Like when you are physically closer to somebody, you hear their voice better as well. But this isn't going to be a preach of how to hear the voice of God, seven steps, ten steps, or you know, anything like that. It's going to be about um, how to be a lover of the Father and of Jesus and the Trinity, which might make some of you feel uncomfortable, but that's okay. Um, so one of the things is that is why um, do we, you know, what, what is intimacy and like, what does that actually look like? So before I dive into kind of my own like love story, um, I'm just going to unpack a bit of what God spoke to me about when I was thinking about intimacy and, and it always, and it made me think of those um, couples that have been together, you know, for like just ages, like it's more than Ruby wedding anniversaries. It's just a really long time and you see them and often you, if you ever see them in public or you're friends with them, there's often just a knowing between them, like, and they will talk obviously and, but there's, they just maybe are holding hands and they just, they just know that maybe the other person needs a cup of tea right now or they just know that they need someone to hold their hand. And there is just a peace and a rest within that you sort of witness quite often in those couples, or friendships as well. I have a friend that I've been friends with since I was three, so that's 22 years. And so often we get together and we don't, sometimes we chat for ages, but sometimes we just sit and we just drink tea and don't say anything. And I feel like we often know really well when it comes to our relationship with God, it's like the... Um, the specific practicalities of how to have a quiet time and how to be a good Christian with him. But we don't often know how to cultivate this peaceful knowing of just 
being with him, of just loving him, of being a son, of being a daughter, and, um, and how to cultivate that in, in our lives. Because I think one of the main things is, is that the whole cross, it, the, the whole Bible is basically this big love story. Um, and the cross to me is many things, but a lot of it is the Father clearing out anything that could potentially get in the way of him being with you. It's a love story of a, a lovesick father who is just desperate desperate to to hold your hand and to hear your voice and to speak to you and to touch you and to walk with you every day. It's just, you know, he's desperate for that. And that's why the cross happened. That's why Jesus came and made a way. And and often we, um, we accept the cross when we become a Christian, but then we sort of get like, we sort of kind of accept the cross and it's grace and brilliant, but then we can kind of go on the path of being a good Christian and doing our quiet times. And, and actually we're supposed to stay at the cross of just enjoying our intimacy and union with him um so that was yeah that is part of why oh thanks that's good um because also it makes me think i'll do throughout this i'll we'll talk do a lot of analogies of me and my husband because we only got married a year ago and so they're all my fresh examples um and and some of it is when in, in talking about intimacy with god is you've got to first know um who you are and so in my relationship with my husband, I know I am his wife because we had a wedding day and I said certain words. Um, I have a bit of paper in my filing cabinet that says, you, Kezia America, now, Kezia Hall. And it's on paper. And also there was a bunch of people at our wedding that all witnessed the fact that I am now married. And no one could ever convince me otherwise. No one could give me a good argument be like, you're not actually married, I'd be like, no, yes, I am. (laughs) That is set in stone. And I feel like often we can hear sometimes a lot about getting your identity before the Father, and we can get a bit like, oof. But actually, it's so important. Like, my intimacy with my husband is based partly on the fact that I know I'm his wife. I've got the experience, I've got the bit of paper, I've got the witnesses, and I have the daily safety of knowing who I am to him so therefore we can increase in intimacy and I think it's the you know any any of our relationships are pictures of what God wants with us and and my relate and that even just being married this last year show me actually how that is just a mere reflection of how much God is wanting me to know who I am so that when I come before him, no one can convince me otherwise. No one, you know, it says in the Bible that nothing can separate us from his love. And I think that comes from knowing who we are, knowing that we're saved, we're free, we're free from sin. You know, all the stuff that you hear about all the time and read about in the Bible. And I think the other thing key to walk in his intimacy is knowing who you are, but then also knowing what you're coming into. So um, I could be married, know that I'm married, and be really secure in that. But if I'm a bit unsure of what kind of like, environment Joe creates in our house, then I could be a bit, I don't know, reticent to come yeah. and be with him. I could, if I think he's maybe going to shout at me or not be very nice, then I could know my identity but be a bit unsure of wanting to, in, like, to go deeper yeah. into that. But actually, thankfully, my husband is incredibly encouraging and always does the dishes really, really well. So it's... He does. He does. And I make a lot of dishes. A lot. A lot of dishes. So... So he... um, But because I know who I am, plus the fact 
that actually I know that Joe creates a safe place. That makes a place of intimacy for us. And it's the same with God, actually. I know for the last kind of probably 10 years of my life, God has just slowly been unpicking all my expectations of what I expect when I'm in a relationship with him. You know, it could be that you, that we can sometimes expect disaster from God. We can expect terrible things. We can expect distance or silence. We can expect just apathy, just like, meh, you hear, kind of thing. You know, we can have lots of expectations of what we are bringing into this, in, this intimate relationship with God of, and, and actually, some of that, what I'll talk about today, is kind of re-jigging re that, recalibrating, yeah, of what we're expecting when we come into, into, his, into him. So intimacy, for me, is those two things that work together. Um, so I'm going to use, um, just talk to you quickly about three different points about cultivating intimacy um, and a bit of the journey that I've been on. And um, so I'll give you a very brief background. I became a Christian at 13, um, because prior to that, obviously I came from a Christian family, and so you just knew about the Bible from probably when I was in mum's tummy still. And, um, but I decided that I didn't believe in God because I suppose, in hindsight, I hadn't experienced him for myself, so why should I, kind of thing. And then at 13, I realized that life was pretty miserable without Jesus. I, I was at um, a, a big Bible week thing, in, um, in a youth room, and um, all of a sudden I just felt this presence. I wouldn't have explained it like that at the time, but I just felt something that was like fun and happy and joyful, and so I became a Christian, and then actually from that point onwards, um, it was a bit difficult and awkward, and I knew I'd thankfully grown up in a house where spending time with God was displayed often, like I would often complain at dad because he'd be like singing in tongues at the top of his lungs at like half six in the morning. <laughs> and I'd be like, um, or having prayer meetings at six o'clock with like all the other men in the church and you come down and you're like, dad, seriously. <laughs> like, this is not what I want in the morning. But that was just normal to me. So I knew that I needed to spend time with God. But to be honest, it was a bit hard and a bit awkward. It kind of reminded me of when me and Joe first started dating and... and um, <laughs> And uh, I, I knew I really liked this guy, and, 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 uh, and um, a few people had let on to me that he actually liked me, and I was like, ooh. And so we'd have these amazing dates that were all, you know, Joe was a brilliant date creator. You know, they were all perfect, involving, like, pims and art, which I like and don't, Joe doesn't like, and, you know, perfectly planned dates. But despite all this, it was still sometimes a bit, like, like I don't know, awkward, even though we both knew that we liked each other. It was kind of, and as the more time we spent with each other, the more easier it got and the less awkward it, it kind of became and the more at ease we became at being with each other, of talking, not talking, of like chilling out, doing activities, all that kind of stuff. And I feel like um, that is a bit of a picture of, again of sometimes our relationship with God. I knew when I first became a Christian and especially there were some really hard times actually in that first, oh, I don't know, six years or more, and actually, often I'd be spending time with God, and it would just feel awkward. Like, I was like a 14-year-old who was getting up at, like, half six in the morning or seven in the morning to spend time with God. And really, I just felt like I was talking to myself in my room and being a bit like, ooh. But actually, what, what I was doing, in a, in, a, in a way, was kind of like having those first awkward dates with God, where you're a bit like, hello, are you there? Oh, hmm. So it's a bit awkward. And, 
And, um, and, and through that, through spending time with that, and through having modeled, having things modeled to me um, through my family life, I also began to worship a lot as well. And that was kind of one of the main points that I wanted to talk to you about was the first one is, I titled it Worship Stroke Awkward Dating. Um, <laughs> because um, we were having, as a family, some really difficult times on all fronts, I suppose, weren't we? Um, and then in the midst of that, we decided to move to Glasgow. Um, so we, I didn't really know what to do. I wasn't having this intimate, you know, amazing relationship with God that was like helping me through every day. I was actually a bit grumpy and a bit peeved off. And, um, but I worshipped because I just didn't know what to do. And, um, and, I, and, I, and I knew that I wanted this relationship with God. Like, you know, when I became a Christian, I felt that sort of presence and that experience of something. And, and I was pursuing, I kept on pursuing that because I'd experienced it once. I knew it must be available again. And I just learned to worship. And, um, and I learned, and again in my house, it was modeled often, like mom or dad would always be singing at the top of their lungs and worshiping. And, and I learned to wait on God. And, um, and, and there's a, in Bill Johnson's book, Face to Face with God, it, he talks about waiting with God. And oh, there is a, there is a bit of Hebrew in this. Um, but it's from Bill Johnson. Because <laughs> um, he, he did the study that said... Um, in the Hebrew word for waiting patiently is repeated 53 times in the Bible. Um, and four times of those 53 is it like waiting, like waiting at a bus stop, kind of patiently waiting. And um, 49 times it's defined as writhing in pain as in childbirth or whirling in the air in a dance, which I think are two very different extremes. <laughs> I just, I was a bit like, never had a child, but uh, that doesn't sound fun. But the, and then the wheeling round dancing, I was like, brilliant. So uh, not, you know, not having, I decided to worship God and just wait on him. And often I did wheel around dancing. Like I would often, I just learned tools that worked for me that meant I could worship God whatever my circumstances. And in doing that, I found often, even though it was a bit awkward to begin with, actually God always rushed in to meet with me. I would, I would maybe begin singing quietly in my room or in the shower, hoping no one would hear me. And then, and then God would rush in, and I learned to wait patiently on him. And I learned to seek him above my circumstances, excuse me, and above um, anything that I was feeling. Mm. Um. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> Thanks. <clears throat> and, and I think in terms of hearing God's voice, which is often something we all want to do, you know, as Christians, we all want to hear God's voice because we want to preach the gospel and we want to give those prophetic words on the street that just means people fall down on their knees and go, what must I do to be saved? And we want, you know, we want to, we want to have those kind of lives, I imagine. Well, I do. And, um, and, I, and I want that happening. And, and I think a part of that is learning to hear God's voice, but not in this detached seven steps to hearing God's voice way. In, it's in about intimacy with him and cultivating intimacy. And, and I would just really challenge you today that intimacy helps us to build a bridge. Uh, no, sorry, worship helps us to build a bridge to God and to connect and grow close to him. Um, and I would really encourage you and really challenge you is um, how are you at worshiping God on your own when there's not a, like a brilliant band here, when you're not at a conference, when you're not, you know, you've not got like, 
I don't know, Jesus culture, like playing in the back. Like how, how is your worship life when it is you and God? Have you moved past that awkward dating sort of phase where it's a bit weird and you don't really know what to say? Is it thriving? Um, and another question I felt um, to challenge us on is, are you experiencing, are your massive moments with God? You know when you have those encounters where you feel like you're slightly changed forever? Yeah. Are you having those encounters when it's just you and him? Or is it only in the bigger context? There's nothing wrong with experiencing God in those amazing conferences we host and in church here. That's kind of why we're family together. But it's always, I think, to be balanced with, actually, are you experiencing God when it's just you and him? When you're in your room, you've had a rubbish day at work, and you're actually having a bit of a hard time. Are you encountering him in a way that is changing you? And I, for me, my key tool for, for that has been worship and learning to worship and just do it like whether I feel like it or not. Um, so that is the... Then my next point is um, I, um, along this um, road of um, dating Joe, um, he, as we dated and got more comfortable, things got less awkward, Joe being the outstanding man that he is would buy me flowers um which was nice yeah so and I was very excited when I'd he'd start getting me flowers I was like oh it's like a dream but as time went on he would persistently buy me um carnations and um and Joe didn't know this but I hate carnations (laughs) I just I hate them I like all flowers I'm not really that fussy I like color and I like flowers but carnations I just find a bit of a lame flower um, but Joe, being the amazing man that he is, just kept on buying me flowers, just, you know, just because that's what you do. And, and, uh, and it got to the point where I was a bit like, like, when I was receiving them, I was getting a bit like, carnations. I was like, oh my goodness. And, uh, and I realized I was going to have to tell him. I was going to have to tell him, thanks, Joe, I love receiving flowers, but I hate carnations. Um, and so I have, and to this day, he now buys me roses and other things, which is good. <laughs> But for me, that's just a picture of, um, actually, for people that you want to be close to, you have to be honest with them. You have to be authentic. You have to tell them what's on your heart. You have to do the awkward thing sometime and just show your heart to them and be vulnerable and let it out. And, I, and I've been realizing over the last probably five years especially, actually, that God is, that this is key to intimacy with God. We have to be real with him. Actually, we have, to, we have to express our disappointments, express our annoyances or whatever it is. Because actually, he is, because when we have bad things happen or maybe we feel angry at circumstances in our life, actually, that is still based around our circumstances. And God is always bigger than that. He always cares so much more about his connection with you that actually he just wants to know so that he can deal with it and just be close to you. And, um, and I found that this has been really key um, in, in my own walk um, and intimacy with God. Like, God showed me that he just really wants my heart <clears throat> at the end of the day. That's, that's what he really wants. And it's okay if I come, if I give that to him with a bunch of disappointments and anger and shame or whatever it is. It's totally okay if I give that to him. And I, I think um, I love being Americ, um, but I think one of our and our, one of our brilliant family strengths is being strong in adversity and keeping it together. And so we can we are all brilliant at just keeping it together. Like we can anything can happen, and we'll 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 still be here. We'll still be standing. And then, but this has its negative sides in that you never actually deal with anything. Um, <laughs> just just to warn you <laughs> about the Merrick family. 
So like I had, it got to, to about three years ago, and um, I just had a stream of things, probably for about eight years, of just stuff that had happened that had really annoyed me, disappointed me, hurt me, made me mad. And my, um, my way of dealing with this was just to not to talk about it ever to anyone. And if anyone started to talk about it, then I'd leave the room. So my brother had cancer when I was 14, just after I became a Christian, and he is alive and fully well now, which is brilliant, but he was really sick for a long time, just as I became a Christian. And so that and a whole bunch of other things. And so whenever mum and dad would talk about it in family get-togethers, this is like 10 years on sometimes, I would, be, I would just want to walk out the room and not deal with it. And um, so God started to speak to me actually about giving those things to him and just dealing with them and letting them go and about realizing I don't have issues, I just have stuff that I need to give to God. And actually I, I need to align who I am with who God says I am, not, on, not focus on all my junk, which everyone has. Um, but actually to fix my eyes on him. And actually, he, he deals with all the disappointments. He deals with all the sadness, the anger, the, you know, the offenses. And actually, I realized that one of the, um, the key things that will keep you from intimacy with God is actually if you're offended, if you're disappointed, if you're actually just really angry at God. Um, and that will just keep you from him. And, um, and actually, he just really, really wants to know. And so a few things that God spoke, taught me about that, about dealing with some of the junk, was actually he, it's about knowing you're valuable, and I found that really difficult, because I was like, nothing that bad had really happened to me, I'd come from a really blessed background home, you know, I had been, was blessed in so many ways, actually, and God had to just speak to me, and he showed me this picture of one day, um, I would often, God often started to take me on like encounters with him, where it would just be me and him, and then he'd show me things through my mind's eye. And he showed me this little girl who'd been, you know, when you get little girls that fall down on the playground and they have like grit and like cuts everywhere and like they're just like obviously have scraped all their hands. And I just saw this little girl sitting on the father's lap and she just had like a few cuts here and there, and, but she was just crying and Father God was crying with her. And God said to me, he's like, Kezia, this is you. And he's like, I'm your father. Um, if you just cut yourself on your hand, I'm bothered about it. It's like, I am so bothered about you, whether you have a whacking great big wound or like a leg hanging off or whether you just actually have fallen over in the playground and you get yourself. Like, I am bothered about you. I care about every single thing that has hurt you, has hurt me, and I want to work with you to, to deal with that and to allow you to be free from that. And I think that encounter for me is totally transformed my my life and how I see God actually because I started to value who I was and value the fact that I had been hurt at some point but actually it was my responsibility to deal with that hurt and to process it and give it to him um another thing was um letting was realizing I suppose this was another revelation as well was realizing that I am not a mess I think often if we have stuff happen to us, we can just not even want to go there, because like, I'm just such a mess, there's so many issues, this happened, this happened when I was three, this happened when I was seven, this happened when I was 12, oh my goodness, I'm not even into my adult years, and you can get a bit put off, because you're like, I've just so many issues, I just, you know, and we can sometimes get like that, I know I could very easily get like that, because I, I have the danger of being quite introspective sometimes, and, um, and then actually God was like, 
No, because you don't have issues at all. You are, you are righteous. And when you became a Christian, you said, the old you died. You know, we have been crucified with Christ and we no longer live. All that junk, even if it was yesterday or 12 years ago, all died at the cross because that is the power of Jesus' blood. And what I need to do is just learn to not keep on dragging those dead stuff back into my current thinking and life. And actually, and that for me really freed me up to actually look at things face on because I realized it wasn't my identity. I'm not someone with issues. I'm not someone with whatever. Whatever the enemy will always try and get you now to live with your past problems and past disappointments or mistakes. And um, and that really helped me. And also just realizing that Jesus' pl- blood paid for everything. Yeah. Like not, it will pay for everything. Like in 10 years time, you may be free. Right now you can be free because he said it's finished at the cross. Not, it will be finished if you do loads and loads of sozo. No, no, he said it's finished. It's totally finished. And, um, and also I, I would recommend getting people, like I had sozos and stuff and it was brilliant. I totally loved it. So if you do feel like there is disappointments and offenses that you're carrying around, I really recommend you just to face them full on with Jesus's love and blood. And actually then you'll find real intimacy um, just being cultivated. Oh, thanks. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk to you about was, um, it's titled um, Revelation, I Now Know About Gaussian Processes. Um, so the next step of me and Joe's um, journey was, um, I, am, I am, if you don't know, a kind of artist, creative soul by trade, quite um, not necessarily logical, but very creative. And, and then Joe is an insanely intelligent mathematician, engineer type doctor now. Um, yay! Um, yay! So, as you can imagine, as our love story continued, as, and, and with any love story, you both end up a bit transformed. So, as mine and Joe's continued, I started to learn about, like, maths and processes and theories and stuff that really clever people wrote. And Joe started to learn about probiotics and artists and healthy food and spelt flour and things like that. Like, so we, and the point being is we both ended up transformed. I would ne- I don't really care about Gaussian processes, which you should ask Joe about if you don't know about it either. But I do now because I've spent time with Joe, and so I've been transformed. And a lot of our intimacy, like, of why we should, why we cultivate intimacy is about that revelation and that transformation that comes from that intimate place. Um, So we, um, because intimacy is all about allowing revelation to come and invade our lives and our minds. And, um, and I think a really, another good example of story of that is, is my walk with God and, 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 I suppose this section is intimacy in practice and what it looks like. So um, as you will create and cultivate intimacy with God in your lives, actually you'll find that you, your life gets transformed. And then you'll look back in five years' time and be like, whoa, what happened? Like a good example of this for me is evangelism, like going on the streets, telling people about Jesus. Like I hated it, absolutely hated it. We'd grown up in a family where we would do it often in Newcastle, often with mime was the fashion in the 90s. Um, oh, makes me sick thinking about it now. Oh. So, 
So anyway, oh, off. Yeah. I know. Maybe I need to pray that through later. And then, so we'd off as a family go on a Saturday morning. Would I be like some Jesus march or some mind thing or some, you know, some, then, you know, the fruit of it was really good. But I just, I just hated it. It made me feel sick. Then as a teenager and as an adult, um, I knew that it was a good thing to do. But I'd go on these like evangelism, getting ready for Alpha, inviting people to Alpha stuff. And I'd literally leave halfway through because I felt so sick. I would just feel so physically ill. I just couldn't do it. It was my worst nightmare. And actually, over the last kind of probably like five or ten years, not through my deliberate pursuit of like, oh, I need to tell people about Jesus. Okay, I should really try with this. But through pursuing intimacy with God, through pursuing and, and taking on the responsibility of me, me being the only one that can cultivate intimacy with him and, and pursuing him, actually, I, trans, I slowly transformed. And like, oh, and, oh yeah, the other week I shared a story about praying for someone in a hospital. Yeah. And even to me now, I find that totally hilarious because that, that wasn't me probably even four years ago. But because of my encountering God and receiving revelation from him regularly and cultivating intimacy, if you say to me one day, oh, let's go and like see who we can prophesy over in Starbucks, I'd be like, all right, yeah, sure you buy the coffee like it wouldn't it wouldn't freak me out it wouldn't make me sick anymore and that's not because I've tried really hard because evangelism is a really important thing to do and I've read a lot of the books it's because I've created an intimate place with God and then I've allowed revelation to come into my heart and um and for me I mean these are everyone's different but the real tools that God has used for me has by just releasing me to to use my imagination um, I was spending time worshipping him, and I'd always get these, like, funny scenes popping up in my head, like a beach or a pile of presents or, like, a, a bridge. And then I'd be like, no, carry on worshipping with God. And then I think one day God was just like, Kezia, seriously, your imagination is, is, is mine now. Your imagination is, is fully, you know, we have the mind of Christ. It is fully sanctified and righteous and pure, and actually go with your imagination. And, and, I, and the revel- my greatest kind of arena of revelation is when I just go with God, with my imagination, with whatever he's showing me. So like that story of the little girl on father's lap, that's just like me one day spending time with God and being like, I'll go with that thought and see and seeing where it goes. And it is in those places that I've been totally transformed because there's something so powerful about God's specific revelation to you when actually it's just you and him. And I have found that God's freed me up and and filled me up when it's just me and him in my tiny bedroom in Bedford where I used to live through actually just allowing revelation to come. And I think a really key tool with that for all of us is just recognizing that your imagination is God's and he really wants to use that. It's not like weird, like if you put off by, like some people use different language like I had an encounter or I was taken out of my body or I went to heaven or like, and that, I, I think that can definitely happen, but for me, it's my imagination. If I need a loo break halfway through, I can have one and then come back. It's like, it's totally normal, and it's totally just God depositing stuff in me. And then, I, and then I, the next day, I realize that I'm changed. I realize that I will pray for someone in a hospital, that I would prophesy over someone in Tesco's, that I, which I never would have done before. And I, and I think that's the, that's the key sort of outcome, I suppose, of intimacy is that you just 
see yourself being tra- transformed. And I, and I would just challenge us again is, do you, do you see that transformation happening in your own life? Are you still beating the same issue over the head that you were five or ten years ago? And, and if you are, I would just suggest that it's about learning some fresh and new tools of cultivating intimacy with God in your own life. Because actually, in his presence, we are always being not transformed into some different you know, person, you're being transformed into who God originally designed you to be, back, taking you back to the garden, like back before the fall. He's actually, he's not transforming you into this new person. He's actually just freeing you up to be you. And, and, I've, and that is the, the fruit of, of these points, as I've learned to cultivate the, in, the worship and intimacy and gotten over that awkward point and, and given real time to it, actually God has met me in that place and, and as I've um, learned to be honest with God and often that meant at times in my room of like lots of tears and shouting and you know just sometimes you just have to express things just to get it out and that's totally okay and then actually and um, what was I saying oh yes so that's a really key tool that I've done for that when it's just me and him of just expressing emotion I think that's really important to just express it and then God once you give it over to him God always he's really generous so he always gives something back so you might shout and scream and cry and be like but you're not going to stay in that place it's about you giving something over to him and him replacing it with something else so you don't need to I sometimes would get a bit scared that I was going to forever remain sad if I ever expressed my sadness but actually, or forever remain angry and gnarly because I'd actually been angry, like expressed anger to God. Whereas actually, you, it's a transfer. You give it to him and you express it through all the ways that he's taught us and given us to express. And then he comes in with something new. Um, and then in that place, in that intimate place, you'll find actually revelation. And that is where you'll see your life transforming. And as, and as your life is being transformed and and as you get more revelation and as you grow in intimacy with God and as you become, and all these things are kind of about being a lover of God, really, and being his friend and being his daughter and, or son. They're about all three of those things. And that's, that's the reason that we, the reason for it is that we want to be, we want to see this city transformed. We want to see the dead raised, the blind see. We want to see all areas of society impacted by his goodness and by his power. And I think we are going to see that. But our focus, we can easily focus on that about like, how can I tell people? How can we transform the city? Whereas actually the first, our focus is being learning to be a lover of God and learning to be intimate with him, learning how to deal with our own disappointments, learning how to worship him despite our circumstances, learning how to receive our own revelation and not have to wait on some amazing visiting speaker which are amazing but learning how to receive that when we need it and actually as we do that we become lovers of him and friends of him and then we will see this city transformed because we know how to strengthen ourselves we know how to be intimate and then people are just people will just be attracted to that and that is the whole the whole reason for it often sometimes you can be reticent to cultivate this intimacy because you think it's gonna you really would just want to change the world and there'll be people here that even find like coming to church difficult because they're like I should just be out there telling people about God and and that's brilliant but actually it's from a place of intimacy and 
just being one with the Father, that actually loads of power can flow through and just flow through that. So um, it's all about God's fierce love. I think even when in my very brief time of thinking about this this morning is that this whole thing is about his fierce love and about us learning to receive it really well, us learning to let it saturate our whole lives and whole ways of thinking and and then and then it flows out of us and transforms the workplaces, the families, the cities, the nations, the continents that we're in. And um, yeah, so those are some of my um, things that God has spoken to me about over the years. And uh, yeah, I would just really encourage you. I also actually felt God remind me of something um, when I was talking about worship and worshiping God. I felt him just say um, that there's been, I've heard a lie sometimes in Christian circles that you have desert seasons from God where you have like, um, where God maybe disappears and he's just silent and then he maybe comes back. And I would just really like to say to you that that's just a lie. That, um, that, That you can have difficult circumstances in your life, but God sent his son so that you would never, ever be separated from his love, so that there would never be any separation and that God is never silent at all. There is no, he loves to communicate all the time. He, you actually sometimes can't stop him communicating. And I just felt like if those people here, I know that I've heard that a few times before, of like, I'm just in this desert season and God's just gone silent and it's just, you know, that's just the way it is. I would just say it's not actually that God wants to speak to you. And also if you struggle to hear his voice and you struggle to hear his words of love, actually there can be real breakthrough on that today. And actually even as I speak, I believe God is imparting something of that intimacy into you because that's just what he loves to do.